conversation. So happy to be with you today. I am here as always. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cockrell. I am joined by Dave Canfield. And Dave, what movie are we talking about today? Oh, we are going to be talking about the movie that everybody's been talking about for a while now, Megan. Megan is a marvel of artificial intelligence, a lifelike doll that's programmed to be a child's greatest companion and a parent's greatest ally. Designed by Gemma, a brilliant roboticist, Megan can listen, watch, and learn as it plays the role of friend and teacher, playmate, and protector. When Gemma becomes the unexpected caretaker of her eight-year-old niece, she decides to give the girl a Megan prototype, a decision that leads to unimaginable consequences. So, Dave, this movie is directed by Jared Johnstone. You know, uh, I think that he's probably probably going to be mainly known for this movie up until this point, but he did do Housebound in 2014 and uh, the Jackie Brown Diaries. Did you catch either of those? You know, it's funny. I saw Housebound years ago because I know the producer. He's a guy named Ant Tipson. He's a great guy. He's done several notable things since then, including his own directorial debut with Elijah Wood called Come to Daddy, which is a movie everybody should go see if you like comedy horror. Housebound is a comedy horror film. And uh, this as well. Uh, we are going to talk about some of the elements of horror and some of the uh, elements of, uh, of, uh, of uh, comedy in Megan. So he's definitely within his wheelhouse uh, here. Yeah, and um, on the producing side and also with the writing credit is James Wan. Of course, we all know him from the original Saw uh, series that also has a doll. In fact, uh, you noted, Dave, that and Mr. Wan's career, dolls keep popping up. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It is. It's weird. I mean, he, you know they create jigsaw the the doll that rides the tricycle in uh in the saw movies but then he went on to do a movie that uh um well he produced the annabelle series and uh which has uh the first one maybe not so great the second one has a fantastic sequel is really worth checking up on um but then he did a movie with Leigh Whannell who later went on to do the invisible man called dead silence about a killer ventriloquist uh, that is peopled with really creepy dolls. And so <laughs> it's just one of those kind of weird notes in a career that also happens to include Fast and the Furious movies and Aquaman. I mean, James Wan's one of the biggest directors around, but he keeps his fingers in a lot of things. And so uh, his uh, his interest in horror uh, 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 continues to uh, draw fans I think that this movie, let's talk about the cast as we normally do, and then we'll give a little section to uh, production design and special effects, which I think are unique and deserve an, uh, a mention for this film. But in this cast, we have Allison Williams playing Gemma, the adoptive aunt, the aunt who has adopted uh, Violet McGraw's Katie, the young girl who the doll is given to. Allison Williams here, of course best known for playing the uh, girlfriend in um, Get Out, yeah, yeah. of course. Couldn't get it out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so we know her, and we also, Dave, we also reviewed, I believe, um, uh, what's the movie where she's the celloist? Did we review that for Mind <laughs> Frames? We definitely saw it together. Um, the Perfection, so we, the movie that messed me up totally when I saw it the first time. 
Yes, the perfection. I don't think I agreed with the uh, giving it that label, but an interesting movie. And she's uh, kind of continuing to be in these like um, interesting horror-ish movies. Also in this film, we know we have some other interesting cast. We have, like I said, Katie's played by Violet McGraw. I'm not too familiar with her. I don't know if you know anything about her, Dave. No, no, she's a she's a newbie to me. Uh, you know, Megan is not portrayed by the doll. Megan is not portrayed by one person, so I don't think we can give one person credit. However, we can give two people credit, at least two people, and then we're going to move on and give other people credit. But for now, let's stick to the physical appearance of of Megan, uh, the stop motion. Uh, well, it's a combination of stop motion and film, but the film and the stop motion model for Megan is a young actress named Amy Donald, which uh, I'm totally unfamiliar with, but provides a lot of life to Megan, if you will. But above all, the voice, what a great voice performance this has oh. in Jenna Davis. And I think Jenna Davis's voice performance is one of the strongest aspects of this film. Uh, it's, of course, digitally altered to be more robotic-y and more scary, but she gives a beautiful, you know, great performance and uh, great vocal artist there, as well as actress. Um, and it, yeah, and it should be noted that, you know, with both of those, both of those actors, uh, they, you know, like Amy, Amy McDonald isn't just wearing a suit. She's um, going through a lot of stylized motion and uh, and a lot of people think this is a CGI character. It is not. Uh, it is a creation for the most part of these two actresses with some enhancements. And uh, Jenna Davis, if you hear her talk or you hear her uh, do the voice of Megan, uh, she really does sound like that. It's just that they, you know, clipped some things and did just a, a tiny little bit of production on her voice to make it work. So you're not you're not kidding around, Mike, when you when you when you mention that that it's very much the creation of these, of these two, uh, these two artists. Yeah. They digitally altered her voice, but I, I will. Yeah. The, the pacing and the delivery of her voice, um, is all her, uh, you know, that's, that's not digitally done, but these two actresses came together to, uh, combine into a very menacing and creepy doll with the aid of who I'd like to shout out. Oh, by the way, uh, I thought comedian Ronnie Chang did great in this movie too. You know, he's one of the most TikTok, most YouTube comedians. I think uh, he was perfect. And this is a horror comedy. And I feel like Ronnie Chang brought a lot of the comedy to the scenes, you know, um, he's, and he's playing a bad guy here too, but it's a funny, yeah. a bad guy you laugh at. And it's like an asshole bad guy. I think he, I thought he did a great job. Um, he could be in any of my movies. We laughed last year because of course, you know, in Jurassic Park Dominion, we get this takedown of Apple, right? And they make fun of the CEO and they make fun of the headquarters. And in this one, I couldn't help but think, even though there's no physical resemblance, right? To, of of uh, uh, I couldn't help but think about Elon Musk and, you know, just sort of the general disdain that a lot of people have for the, you know, the spoiled rich CEO that really isn't all that bright, but that wants everything done his way and is, you know, demands you know, the impossible from his workers. Um, I, I was not getting, I was not getting those vibes at all from him. I was getting uh, underperforming C executive. Who's like kind of inherited the position. <laughs> I, I didn't see him as any sort of visionary or at all. He's just like there. Like the, like, well, we're in you know, you're about that too. 
<laughs> you can say Elon Musk did actually do some things at his companies. Maybe he didn't originate them the way he claims, but this guy just has Gemma handing her him something and he's like out there trying to sell it. He's pretty much not. All, all of his uh, talent yep. seems to be related to scheming and hilariously scheming when he does that. So the special special effects on Megan are great. They really, you know, I don't in a, in a more in a bigger budget movie this would have been probably all CGI, but I think they geniusly mixed CGI practical effects, um, stop motion specifically to get this. I mean, everyone's praising it. You don't listen to me. I don't know anything about really CGI, but they captured that uncanny valley, um, intentional unca- uncanny valley there, and uh, combined with the voice oh, yeah. did incredible um they had puppets they had stop motion capture they had a real actress which i think is what makes it feel so great um which makes it feel so believable in those scenes because our cgi is pretty good now dave but let's admit it you know when something's cgi it's so rare that the cgi is seamless all the time time. i mean you go back to jurassic park and the thing about jurassic park was Spielberg was was basically dra- not dragged, but it's kind of secreted into a room by some people at ILM that did not have the authority to show him what they were showing him. In other words, what they were going to show him was going to upend this movie. And they knew that the time had come for this particular technology. He took one look at it. And he did what a genius does is he knew exactly how it could be used. And that involved practical effects as well. It involved um, all the different kinds of effects being worked together. And so you had some in camera, you had some CGI or whatever. And that really hasn't changed in the history of, of, of CGI. That is still the best way to achieve um, most of what directors want to do. And I agree with you completely. I think to this day, we know when blood is CGI. We know when movement defies physics and must be CGI. And uh, and this is a movie that just does a, a great job playing with um, not only its ideas, but also the, the visual imagery that we associate with CGI. So shout out to the special effects crew there. Um, I wish I had some names but I'm not finding any names. I apologize, but you did a great job. Uh, let's move on to, you know, Dave, this movie is, it didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, you know, this movie came out of the ether of our culture. And if my memory serves me, wasn't there a movie from the eighties about a doll that like came to life or something? <laughs> Refresh my memory. It wasn't there something like that. And maybe well, a movie from a few years ago about a robot that became sentient. <laughs> so this is there have been, nice guy, guys. Yeah. There have been hundreds of all of these kinds of movies. And this is a movie that liberally borrows, um, to my mind, from about three different kinds of movies that involve childlike figures and, and, and whatnot. And that's um, a little bit, a little, little bit from the killer child um uh, type film, the bad seed film. Um, but very much, uh, from the movie child's play, uh, which I think it does, uh, really, it's almost an homage to it. Um, except it doesn't have a super natural explanation for why the doll moves. 
And uh, really what it mostly is about is AI. And, you know, before I start, I want to say there's a, you know, like I said, a ton of robot Android movies. It's a really rich area to explore if you're a genre geek like me. Um, Probably the 80s was the golden period for for robot movies. So you get like Short Circuit and Daryl and Deadly Friend and RoboCop and Eve of Destruction. Got War Games and the Terminator movies. All those are from the 80s. But even before that, you get this idea of AI. You get this idea of what if um, robots became self-aware, tech was self-aware. And you think back to things like Twilight Zone's I Sing the Body Electric episode, which is based on the famous Ray Bradbury story about the electric grandmother. Um, and really, almost every science fiction or horror-based TV series from the 70s and 80s has AI episodes and of course we think of data and we think of you know the westworld tv show which also has an antecedent uh really brilliant film um called westworld but as far as films really you've got you know it's really interesting what what the history of all these films is about particularly ai films is that they want to explore what the nature of technology is and what role it might come to play in, um, in human society. And so you have everything from movies about giant computers that take over the world in Colossus, the Forburn project in 1970 to a robotic house that impregnates a housewife and brings, um, a half human computer robot baby hybrid into the world in demon seed. You have blade runner, um, which is a kind of explores uh, the kind of the ethic of what does it mean to be human and be alive? Um, and you also, it's funny, you know, you have ex machina, which is obviously, you know, on some level, a very dark science fiction film, but you have other we, movies. This is the I last. You gotta stop. I, all right, go ahead. Well, just for the last thing, there are also a lot of romantic comedies that have dealt with robots and AI. Uh, Making Mr. Right uh, from 1987, Electric Dreams um, uh, from 1984. And of course, the famous example is Her uh, from 2013 with Scarlett Johansson playing a, 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 an AI who uh, slowly begins to develop her own sense of what she wants to be and do so um while most movies do take sort of the the road that megan takes which is a very dark road there are movies out there that explore this on a more you know friendly basis hmm dave 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 you know i think we gotta we gotta separate our our apples and or and, and and apples and oranges here. So I think there are a couple waves of AI reflecting things going on in the culture. Maybe we'll talk about this more in our thing. But you you really I'm very 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 disappointed. You mix missed so many, and I think one that you you missed that I'm surprised you missed is you didn't mention weird science, and that you know Mike. I didn't mention two thousand one space odyssey. Uh, that's true. I mean, well, the, re- the reason. But the reason I bring up weird science is because I feel like there's a whole genre that is not where the AI is creepy, not where the AI is threatening. And it's true. We could talk about those. And like I said, I think those have come in waves. 
like you have the 80s wave and then you mentioned Ex Machina and I almost interrupted you because I feel like the 2000s wave is totally different than the 80s right. wave in terms of theme and it's what's driving it. But I, I love we- like weird science and it is one that makes me think of it's it's a movie where you didn't really mention any movies where they're trying to create a companion where the companion is friendly or sexy um, in a way that, you know, uh, kind of Megan was. And I think well, her her, is like that. And so is making Mr. Right, which that, where you have the AI right, played by, my, my, by John Malkovich. But I think you're right. Yeah. That, that's a much bigger subset than I let on. So more than, more, you know, Demon Seed, I think the Terminator and uh, Weird Science, we got to mention those. We cannot go on. We cannot have a conversation about AI and a girl without mentioning Terminator and uh, Weird Science. If Demon Seed is getting mentioned, Dave, fucking Terminator is getting mentioned. <laughs> Let's just mention, look, man, then we got to mention Heartbeeps with Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters as two runaway Come robots. On. Are you telling me you're putting heartbeat? You're putting heartbeat on the same pedestal as the original <laughs> fucking Terminator? No, because they're two <laughs> totally different robot movies. Nobody wants to marry a Terminator. They might I, want to marry Arnold after they see him naked in the in the opening of the movie. But you know, I'm just saying, Dave. Killer AI. When you walk in that door, there better be a damn Terminator poster on that wall. Uh, <laughs> And let's talk about the 2000s wave of AI, which I think Megan is a part as one of our topics, the fear of AI. But before we get into that, that will be spoilery. Um, let's do some reviews, Dave. Oh, Megan, yeah. what do you what do you think? Where Where's this land for you? You know, man, I, I think I, I think and, and, and I don't want to speak for you, but, you know, a lot of the time you see a trailer and you think, OK, I've seen this movie before i mean i know you know it's it's going to go down the road the question is is it going to be entertaining not is it going to bring anything new to the table megan has really surprised me because it was every bit as strange and new to me as that little dance she does in the trailer that had people freaking out all over the country and imitating it and doing tiktoks and stuff um you know, this is a movie that's funny. It's a movie that's creepy. Uh, it's a movie that's suspenseful. It's well acted. It makes good use of its cast. Um, and it uh, it really, you know, again, I mean, I'm really glad for Gerald Johnston because I love Housebound. I'm a Housebound stan, but um, I I was quite frankly surprised at just how good this movie is. It's it's mm. it's a wonderful time at the movies. All right, I uh, I enjoyed it as well. I mean, I had to watch it in two different uh, sh- sittings because uh, I got a little sick and had to walk out when we were watching Dave. But I did catch up with it later, and um, you know, boy, it is a lot of fun. You know, it's so rare to have a fun movie. Uh, I think it's one that surprisingly is PG-13 and I think it deserves its PG-13 rating. It's, you know, it's scary and suspenseful and it has some gore, but it's nothing that I think anyone's going to like be too upset about. Um, you know, to me, Dave, the scariest part of the movie was in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> well, Megan was pretty scary, but you know, there's something very surprising that happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And to me, that was like the part that like really was like the darkest for me. Um, but I kind of had a feeling for where the Megan storyline was going anyway. Uh, I believe there's a Megan two in production or at least pre-production. Let's be specific here. 
I don't know if it's been uh, greenlit yet, but I think Megan, uh, a follow-up is, is in pre-production or at least being bantered about according to my research on the internet. So I would say this is three and a half stars, maybe three stars somewhere along there. Um, I think it's a fun movie. The production design is amazing. And I think it should be thought about later on in this year when awards are being given out. Um, I think it's very funny. It has some, some great special, special effects production design is great. So yeah, I was very pleased to see this movie. Um, I, I was definitely, um, you know, I'm not necessarily looking forward to our next movie, but uh, this one was a fun, <laughs> fun horror movie to see. I'm glad uh, we got this to see it. This is another one I talked Mike into seeing. So. Yes. so let's get into our spoiler section. All right. Thank you for staying with us. Here we are in the spoiler section. So I almost cut you off there, Dave, a little bit about when you started talking about her. Um, was oh, that the one that, the, yeah. what, was that, what, was that the one that I, um, cut you off at? I don't remember, but I do Might really, been, yeah. I do really separate the eighties movies, the eighties fear of AI and technology from the two thousands fear of AI and technology, because I think they're very different. Um, however, you know, you mentioned 2001, a space odyssey. So the. I don't really understand what was driving the fear of AI in the eighties or the fear of change like Terminator, you know, to me that I feel like that's a cold war angst uh, is mm. what's driving, driving the, the, um, the Terminator franchise. But I really don't understand that. Maybe it's because it's before my time, but I definitely understand the, the two thousands wave AI is heating up. Automation is heating up. Um, and if you look at, 2001 a space odyssey i think it was truly ahead of its time because in that film what hal wants is to replace humanity because he thinks he's better um whereas you know the terminator weird science they are just uh, i don't know if you can put those two together but skynet what does skynet want it just wants to get rid of humans right for its own purposes well- well, here's Same the as thing. the Matrix, right? They just want to get rid of humans because the humans are destructive. Hal thinks it's better. You remember, well, you got to remember the Terminator movies came out in the Reagan era. The Terminator's movies came out when he was making jokes about bombing Russia on on live mics. When he was, when there was a lot of discussion about just how hot the Cold War was. So I, I don't think it was just like residual angst. I think it was very present at the time in the culture but i do think the it, it's interesting because you know you got to think two war games war games is another movie mm-hmm. that you know takes advantage of that um so this idea that computers may someday destroy us um it gets made you know eve of destruction is about a military robot android woman on the loose uh, that has a nuclear bomb sort of built into her physique and that will eventually go off and destroy a city if they don't catch her. Wow. That's Um, a very interesting, there's some fucking Freudian shit going on there. There's some Freudian shit going on there. Yeah. Big time. Um, And and so I think that you're right when you want to separate weird science from that um, because there's this idea that, you know, technology can be our plaything. Or technology can kill us. And, um, you know, 
that that's a whole other discussion. All right, stay, uh, stay, stay with my hypothesis here, Dave. Here's my hypothesis. I think you're kind of agreeing with me, even though you didn't use the same words, that the, the fear of the AI or computers in the 80s is more of fear of mankind's arrogance and mismanagement, which I kind of called Cold War angst, right? Absolutely, that something's yeah. going to go wrong and it's going to kill us all. To me, when I look at the list of 2000, the AIs in the 2000s, I feel like it's a different kind of fear, a different kind of threat. You know, we can talk about Steven Spielberg's AI, artificial intelligence. You mentioned her. Um, we could throw Wally in here. But of course, really, I think for both of us, Dave, yeah. above all, Ex Machina. When you look at those movies, what's the theme through those? Leaving out Wally, Wally perhaps. It's the creation of something new something new and foreign. It's like we're creating something new and foreign and that's the threat that perhaps it will replace us. And that's kind of why I dragged out <laughs> from the sixties, Hal, because Hal is very much trying yeah. to replace mankind. So it's not that, you know, um, you know, the, the character from Ox, Ex Machina, the, the AI from Ex Machina, uh, well, I don't want to be too spoilery or anything, but it's like, it's a better replacement version of humanity. And I think her, I think that's the fear in the 2000s. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's very hot right now because ChatGPT just came out and people are worried, is this going to replace every copywriter's job? Is this going to replace every blurb writer's job? Um, is this going to replace every podcast? You know, did you see the um, endless Seinfeld episode, David? <laughs> did you see the end yeah. of where it's just it generating... Crazy. Seinfeld-like jokes and animations in real time. It eventually became racist and got shut down. Um, but people today are afraid of AI. We fear AI. And I think it's a different fear than from the 80s. So it's very interesting to see how that changed over time. And then isn't it weird that like in the 90s, it just like got you dried up? I think I think that if we both did a deeper dive into the 90s, we would find that theme being uh, present either on TV or starting to, you know, come out into uh, whatever nascent sort of internet uh, was available to people at that time. Um, I like think I said, that, the matrix, uh, you have the matrix in the nineties, right. that's very late nineties though, but that is a nineties example. But the matrix, it's interesting because the matrix is an exploration too, of what's real and what's not. And, you know, again, like in Blade Runner, we have the idea of, you know, maybe we're machines, maybe we're caught up in a machine matrix, or we've been implanted with false memories. Um, you know, Total, Total Recall was about that. Another Philip K. Dick movie. Um, the, you know, Arnold is given this false identity. And so in a sense, he's like a, he, he's like a, 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 on autopilot, if you will. Uh, in his life and doesn't it, understand. It's very in interesting because The Matrix, which came out in 1999, really that first movie, which is the best, <laughs> it's not argued. <laughs> it really is kind of like a thought experiment. But as they go on in the series and the 2000s come and we get more into that AI era, it becomes more about direct confrontation with the machines. Yes. And, the, and so yes. it actually kind of merges into a story about AI. But but you're right. You're, 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 you're reminding me that the machines are very absent from the first film. The machines are more like the man, but then as like our 2000 AI fear comes up, maybe the machines 
are rising in their, uh, you know, it, it, to the, it's like, just like with Terminator at the end, you've like got actual CGI battles <laughs> with the machines. Well, I mean, you know? And comparing that to Terminator is like, and it's so spot on because I think the scene everybody remembers from Terminator two is the nuclear bomb going off and the nuclear bomb going off is directly because of Skynet. And so there, that's the image of AI destroying mankind in all of these movies. You, you would probably, if you had to pick an iconographic image, but I think that if you look at the matrix, you know, those, um, the discovery of the desert of the real, you know, that happens when you take the pill and Keanu waking up with the electrodes in the back of his head with the port in the back of his head in the, in the glue, gluey goo that gives him, you know, up, keeps him alive while they mine his body for electricity. Um, who's doing that? Well, these sort of war of the worlds looking machines are doing that. And so again, it's a kind of Skynet that's, that's, you know, come to bear, but after those initial images, an awful lot of the imagery that we get is anthropomorphic. And, you know, again, that takes me back to 2001 because, you know, Hal succeeds in being kind of anthropomorphic to the point where we're kind of sorry to see him die at the end of the movie. There's something really plaintive and poignant about his, you know, slow winding down as he sings Daisy. Um, and goes back to his own point of origin and his search, you know, for meaning, whatever that means at that moment in the film. And, you know, bouncing back and forth between these ideas is something in these movies have always done. And in the nineties, I think you're right. We haven't absorbed so much pop culture dealing with this that maybe we did need some kind of break to sort of deal with the weight of it. I think it was just the Cold War ending, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no, I think that's where like that anxiety went down. But then the anxiety ticked back up when those uh, AI programs and automation started replacing factory jobs. And oh, oh my yeah. gosh, now is ChatGPT going to replace everyone? Um, so I think that yeah, I think that the the, the Cold War being resolved is is kind of like why those nukes everywhere films disappeared. And The Matrix is interesting because it is kind of like a blend between the two. So let's talk about today. And by today, I mean the last 20 years. Are we scared of AI, Dave? Should we be scared of AI? Um, you know, I think that I've got some favorite movies from this from this era. Um, and I think I'd also like to talk about Westworld and, you know, the show Westworld, oh. at least the first two seasons. Um I advocate that you watch that day because there is also a, a little, I'm kind of like going on a tangent here, but there's a very interesting thought going on in a lot of these AI movies. And like I said, I'm trying to avoid spoilers from Ex Machina, but um, I was wondering if it would come up in Megan. And that is the AI becoming more human than humans. And I think that uh, that is a very interesting subject matter in Westworld where the humans are treating that robots like shit and the robots are the ones who are empathetic and caring. Some of them, <laughs> some of them are just like the humans, but, but the robots are the ones that are learning to grow and suffer and move beyond. 
and and grow where the humans are stuck in loops and that's kind of i'm getting spoilery here but westworld has a very interesting thing and i think you see that in some of these other movies where the the um ai is kind of outgrowing us and as you know i love her and without spoiling that movie as well that's an example of the ai simply um kind of outgrows us and i was wondering if megan would go that direction but it didn't what are your thoughts on all that oh man well you know first of all you can't talk about westworld at all without talking about michael crichton and you know, Westworld was his directorial debut. He's known as a novelist. He did The Andromeda Strain. He also did a movie, though, called The Terminal Man that was made into a movie with George Siegel. It's a quite a good film about a man whose um, um, rage, which is caused by a particular form of epilepsy, which I think is actually a real thing um, that some people go through. It's a type of brain damage. He has a chip implanted in his head that redirects him. And, you know, that takes you back also to Clockwork Orange and sort of can we engineer humans kind of like you would a machine and this kind of thing. And, of course, it all ends badly. In Westworld, in the movie, uh, originally, one of the holdovers that made it into the TV show is this idea of the humans treating uh, the robots horribly. And eventually, um, for reasons that um, have to do with, again, this sort of mysterious bridging the gap between human and machine um the robots start you know acting on their own agenda and killing people and doing all the things that we associate with technology gone awry in the tv show though they again you're right they flip the script and i think with her you see a flipping of the script um there's this sense i think that on one hand in, in reference to your original question, we want a world of the future as it had been perhaps outlined to us in popular culture. Um, where's my rocket pack? You know, that's a famous phrase. I think it was a album at one point from, from a band. I don't know which band, but the, the, the thing is, we're also seeing the problems of, say, economically privatizing everything, faceless corporations that seem very machine-like to us, a political system that doesn't seem very responsive to us. And, um, you know, you go back to that image of the Terminator, again, that skull, that endoskeleton skull grinning at you amidst the wreckage of humanity, that seems as likely a a destiny if you will to as most people as you know the idea that um you know like again elon musk's dream that we're going to have cars that go up and down the road and that you know we don't even have to drive and you know things like this um history has not taught us that technology has gone as far as it could in making life comfortable for everybody it seems to benefit a few and it seems to cost other people their jobs, their, you know, and now their, their lives. I actually saw, and I'll end on this. I actually saw footage of one of those damn robot dogs that they make dance at the robotics laboratory and do the videos of. They strapped a machine gun on that mother. <laughs> 
And you can only imagine what a couple hundred of those would be like, you know? So, you know, anthropomorphizing aside, technology in general to people, I think, you know, is, is, is a little more frightening than, than, uh, than comforting at this point. It's interesting, Dave, because you reacted to my uh, theory about the 80s the same way. I said, do you think people are scared? And your reaction is, yes, you should be scared. It's scary. <laughs> we were going to nuke each other. <laughs> but, there, you know, people see hope in technology, too. People are afraid of technology. But like I said, with her and with Ex Machina, um, and I'm actually forgetting how AI ends but and with wall e there is a hope that our creations do better than we do right that they go beyond what we are so we also we fear them we fear them we think skynet's gonna nuke us we think megan's gonna stab us but we also want wall e to care about the world after we're gone we also want her the ais from her to go beyond this earth and its concerns, however you want to interpret the ending of her. Um, I mean, Wally does save us from her own excess, right? Because everybody's lounging in these chairs and robots bring them things. And then all that gets overturned um, by a robot that can dream of the future. And, you know, I think of data, obviously I think of her, which is a movie I love. Yeah. So I think we want to see technology mirror the best parts of humanity. We want I, that. We do. I, 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 you know, I, I don't, I, I don't like misanthropy to either, either though. So it's like, I want our technology and our creations to do better than us and learn from us. And spoiler alert, they're not, we can talk about that. But um, I also don't want to go the avatar route where we're envisioning this other thing that is merely the things that we don't want to be. Uh, so it's like, I want humanity to improve too. I don't want us all to be sitting in those loungers. I, 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 so um, anyway, you know, there's a great, there's a great night gallery episode from 1972 called you can't get 1972, sorry, called you can't get help like that anymore. And uh, Broderick Crawford and Cloris Leachman have bought a robot made. And they have a history with this robotics company of buying these maids. And then after a while, because they're young and they tend to be pretty looking androids, the husband will make a pass and then the wife will destroy the android and they will bring it back. And the scientist is trying to explain to them is that these are learning machines. You can't do that. And eventually what happens is the robot played by Lana Wood, that's their replacement uh, kills them both. Mm. And, you know, so there is that sense of tit for tat, you know, with technology that what are we building? I think that's what people want to know. What are we building? And you're just making me think how genius the first episode of the Westworld, the TV show is because, oh, uh, you know, you go into that and you know, in the movie Westworld, which is equally genius, the man in black is a merciless killer robot, right? Yes. And in the pilot of the Westworld TV show, you follow a man in black who is a merciless killer. And at the end of that episode, David, 
you you see that he's mankind and you know what ride you're in for for the rest of the show uh he's yes. the, he's a, the the merciless killer robot is actually humanity uh great show great movie um yeah so let's talk about parenting we we want these ais to do better than us <laughs> we want ourselves to grow too but another theme in megan was technology taking over the parenting for kids totally shifting gears here though there is a little bit of a segue and connection there um megan is kind of about that and does this play into our you know the millennial you know millennials we talk about millennials and the kids aren't all right millennials being very anxious for the future of their kids and that's a theme that keeps coming up in a lot of the movies that millennials make and that david and michael watch such as um you know my most famous example is a quiet place uh, where it's like, Oh my gosh, can I take care of my kids? And I think one aspect of that fear is, is my kid going to be okay in this environment? Is my kid going to be okay if they watch SpongeBob or if they play with Megan? Um, So I think that on the phone all the time. Exactly. With the modern day Megan. And I think this movie, it does a great job. You asked if it's a parody. I think it could be such a parody of this place in our history. And it's, it's one of those movies where I feel like in 20 years, people are going to look back at it and be like, what the hell is this even about? Um, in terms of like, what were they afraid of? Because I think these things will be solved in within 20 years, um, one way or the other, either our kids will be brain dead or there'll be protections on all of our devices. Um, you know, you raised kids in an earlier generation. You didn't have to worry about screen time. You didn't have to have to worry about Megan making mm. sure that your your kids mm. wash their hands. You didn't have to make sure that the, Megan wasn't murdering the kid. Um, but were these fears back in the seventies and eighties, sixties and fifties when you were raising kids? Were these uh, were these fears? <laughs> Dirty dog. I, I, as you were what? gathering around your primitive campfires, did you have fears about technology back then? Too? <laughs> While I was striking Flint and making sure no saber-toothed tigers came by, uh, no, you know I raised my kids in the um, in the two thousands, and they are uh, nineteen and twenty one as we as we speak. So during um, the second era of the fear of AI, actually, and and you know one of the things that happened during that period was, of course, is you actually began be you were able suddenly to watch like animations and um, little videos and stuff online. It became, it was, it was kind of available to everybody. And, you know, my kids got pretty addicted to all that. And we did end up having to limit screen time and phones did get to be a problem later on in their teenage years. Um, but I mean, I feel like those things are a problem for me. I mean, um, I up until very recently in my life have gone through, um, what I think is is a, a need to detox myself from social media, and I'm definitely doing less of it now. I'm exercising. I'm actually out doing things, um, and it has had an enormous impact on my on my mental health. But I, I I think that you know what what Megan does that's so brilliant is again, Megan could be just, you could, she's a standard for like a phone or a screen time or whatever it is that, you know, whatever technology it is you're putting between you and your child or allowing to come between you and your child. 
And this idea that technology is going to nurture us or in any way raise our children. If you go back to that Bray Bradbury story, I Sing the Body Electric, it's about a widower who lets his children go to a robotics firm and choose the parts of a grandmother. And the electric grandmother, the android, shows up at their house. And they go through the process of bonding with her and and being nurtured by her through their grief because the dad is the archetypical 50s father figure who's a little withdrawn, a little emotionally unavailable. And I do think that there was that kind of hope, you know, at that time that technology was going to make our lives easier in every which way possible. But now we're discovering the limitations of that. And Megan is about the ridiculousness of letting your children, you know, learn about the world primarily through technology. I think, I, I, I think that the, and certainly being parented by technology when, you know, they're encountering the unfairness of life and growing up and re, you know, needing feedback. Um, that isn't, you know, coming from a bot um, because they need that empathy. Um, and, you know, that's going to be the, that's going to be a, you know, a question we, everybody still has is at what point, this is another old question, but of course, at what point does a robot or a piece of tech imitate things like empathy and kindness and love and compassion and forgiveness well enough uh, to make everything I'm saying moot. Um, you know, that's the, that's the dark, dark idea of it. But um, I, I guess that would be my take on it. Yeah. Kind of like with the eighties and the, and the two thousands, I think that none of this is new. I think people have always feared about this. I think there are risks potentially for our age. And I think, Megan kind of gets to a lot of those in terms of over-reliance on um, technology. But, you know, I was actually thinking about, um, you know, Isaac Asimov. He has The Naked Son. It's a movie where, or it's not a movie, it's actually a book, where yeah. there's the planet Solaria in his, uh, Solaria, I'm sorry, Solaria, I had to pause and think for a second, where the humans don't like to talk to each other and they let robots do everything. And the robots are raising their children. And I think that this is a bit so this is not a new fear. That book was published in 1956 or let me see. Um, 1957 or 56. It's unclear to me. I'm starting to Google it. But that book's from the 50s. And people were already worried at that point that technology was going to replace us and cause us to be losing connection with each other. Um, even that early in like the even that far before the information age. So I do think that some of the hand-wringing is just um, just hand-wringing. And, and, you know, I worry about nuclear weapons. I worry about people losing their jobs. But um, I think that we're, we're social creatures and we're biochemical creatures. I think that's what people forget, including the people designing these systems. We, ha we have a natural need for connection. We have a natural need for um, food. I don't see ourselves being plugged into walls anytime soon. We have a natural need for 
interaction with our environment that no technology is going to replace. So I'm less worried about it than most people. But I think Megan does an excellent job of parroting both the fear that we have today and some of the realities of it. You know, th think, think about the first 10 minutes of Megan. I said they're the scariest 10 minutes. They're driving in the car with the girl, right? And they're worried about how much she's looking at the screen. But there's a much bigger danger out there, right? The car wreck. Um, right. So uh, I, I thought I think Megan does a very interesting job of parroting that and showing the limitations of technology. And ultimately, at the end of the movie, we see that that human connection prevails, at least so far, uh, against the robotic connection, the perfect robotic connection that knows perfect what to do. Um, so I don't think parenting is going anywhere. I, I think I'm less concerned about it than, than other people. It is surprising to me that all of these movies from the 2000s, Dave, that, that we talked about in terms of like um, the new, the second wave of uh, the fear of AI, very few of them have any aspect of parenting. Um, I mean, some of them have subplots like mm. Terminate, Terminator. That's not the second wave, but the Terminator franchise in the first wave has a little bit, um, you could kind of say that, uh, yeah, Ed kinda... Furlong and Arnie definitely have kind of a surrogacy going on there. You know, where, where Arnie is kind of a father figure a little oh, bit. I was, I was thinking of uh Terminator two and the actual mother and son. Um, well, sure that too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's not really a, a parenting aspect to, any of these, unless you get kind of creative, um, like you could kind of say Wall E is the parent, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. This maybe we're going to see more movies like this that talk about the fear of uh, what about everybody's going to the world's fair? Is that a oh. fear of technology? I didn't see it, Dave. I saw the trailer, but I, is that a I fear did. of technology and parenting story? Well, I mean, you know. I that movie ultimately is kind of a brilliant exploration of the life of this, um, 13 year old girl who is, uh, you gradually sort of discover has various things going on in her own life that keep her kind of isolated. And, and, and she enters into relationships online that become problematic in, in various ways that could be very frightening. There's also, you know, you can go back. Megan is missing is an early film, uh, in which, uh, a, a, a child predator coaxes a young girl into, to her doom. Um, and, uh, is kind of infamous in the found footage community. Um, you have hosts, which just came out, which is all about zoom and the idea of that tech, uh, not being this benign thing, but just being this being also being able to be channeled for nefarious purposes um, by the supernatural. So you definitely have always had this sort of mysterious quality attached to people's relationship with tech. Um, like, like, like for instance, uh, in, you know, again, going all the way back to the fifties, like you were talking about, you know, we mentioned Isaac Asimov. We didn't even mention the three laws of robotics or I robot, which of course was famously made into a movie 
in the 2000s with uh, Will Smith uh, and had good and bad robots in it. Um, but you also have Ray Bradbury doing short stories like The Velt about a telescreen that these children end up powering with their imaginations, which then in turn turns an African Velt um, environment, virtual environment they live in, into something real that eats their parents. Um, and, you know, he's always said, Bradbury's famous for saying that Fahrenheit 451 was really about TV. It wasn't about book burning, um, but it was about people kind of doing the Aldous Huxley, you mm-hmm. know, people thinking they just don't have need anymore of, of what a real life can offer them. And they're ready to settle for the synthetic. Um, well, as a lover of Aldous Huxley, we won't get into whether you're interpreting his life correctly or not, but um, I will say that it is it is surprising that there aren't mov- more movies like this. And I've not been talking about iRobot because I hate that movie. What a what a ma- <laughs> what a massacre of a classic of science fiction. Um, okay, I don't hate it. I just hate that it wasn't better than it was. Um, hey, it's okay. We were all a little disappointed. I mean. Proyas had just done Dark City for crying out loud. I think you're you're agreeing with me that. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Is there something special about AI, or is this a continuation of a fear of technology and technology and parenting that's been there for at least since 1956? I think there's a sense that the stakes are higher now because AI seems like it's being integrated into our society in ways that are making us more and more dependent not only as consumers, but also in terms of how our society runs and, um, you know, things like, you know, unmanned drones, uh, unmanned drones being sent to places by computers d- down the road. I mean, I, I, I think that there's, there, there's this sense of it, are things going out of control um, that's always been there but there's people maybe understand that maybe that's a little bit, you know, duck and cover in the fifties seemed almost quaint to us now. And it seems kitschy and people laugh even as they, you know, even as older people remember the anxiety of living in that time. I think that, we have an enormous amount of anxiety right now about the potential of technology to completely screw the world up, which is essentially what we've done with global warming. So it it does seem to me like it's like, it's probably a little bit more well-founded. You know? So, yeah, I mean, my, my suspicion is, my suspicion is, is that we're, we are coming to a point where we are going to have to start to uh, regulate these things, or we're going to have the potential for some absolutely enormous ramifications. And why we don't have more media about that, man, I don't know. People are doom scrolling the internet like it's going out of style for the last few years because of the COVID and whatnot and the fears of, you know, Putin and everything else, you know, everybody's like, everybody I know knows everything there is to know about atomic bombs that you could possibly know um, at this point. So that, that, uh, 
I, I think people are out there getting a lot of this now off of YouTube and whatnot. Our, our media is still full of it. Yeah, people people are very afraid. You know, I'm definitely less afraid of AI than the average person um, and technology in general. But I understand people's fears. It's a scary time, but we can't be scared of everything. Uh, what, what was it that I saw? I saw some ridiculous New York Times headline today. Um, look, I'm not scared of the Chinese balloons. All right. I'm drawing the line, Dave. <laughs> I do not give a fuck about the Chinese balloons. I got more things to worry about than the Chinese balloons. <laughs> it's like it, you know, like Pennywise sitting there with the balloon, you know, all you got to do is insert the, the, the Chinese premier's face. Into the yeah, the, it was something about chat GPT where it's like expert reviews, chat GPT. It's scary. Okay. Well, I urge you to play with ChatGPT a little bit and see if you are terrified by its inability to co- form coherent thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, let's close this up, Dave. So we're scared of All technology. Right. You're scared of technology. Um, I mean, I could say some very terrifying things right now that could potentially happen. Uh, we didn't discuss the singularity, Dave. I don't know if that's a, a, a interest of yours, but... Um, it seems you know, like the you only thing would about, probably just be terrified if we talked about it right now. Now, the only thing I'll say about the singularity of this, one of the things I love most about this movie, Megan, is they make no apologies for her becoming sentient. They don't give a shit if you understand how it happened because they don't know how it happened. It might as well be the Heisenberg compensator on, on Star Trek that makes the ship run or the principle that makes the ship run. It, it just is just put out there. And I think that's part of the funny thing is we are all sort of scared of something we don't know a lot about. Yeah. I mean, um, I, th- I considered going back and getting a master's degree in AI because I really am interested in it. I have kind of like a broad idea of how it works. First of all, I hate the term because I honestly don't think we're anywhere near an actual intelligence to me. It's marketing, but setting that aside, um, yeah, no, none of us know how any of this works. You know, uh, it, I love when, a, when you know, people go back in time in books and they just can't describe. It's like, oh, you're from the future. It's like, how does a TV work? And the person's like, oh, um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know. what Are there any, are any movies about technology coming up this year? Wouldn't surprise me if there are more ones since we're so afraid of it these days. Uh, I can't think of any off of the top of my head. No, me neither. And we're probably missing a glaring one. And whoever's listening is out there going, what? But sorry, guys. We'll see if we get a Megan 2. We got to get a Megan 2. There's no uh, way. Yeah, they're I, not I think gonna it's going to happen because this has really blew up people's expectations. You um, know, the funny thing is at the end of Child's Play, which is a movie that I, I named earlier, right? Um. Mm-hmm. You know, Megan, in some sense, is a doll, right? She looks like an American girl doll. I mean, there's a lot of doll-like aspect to her. And, you know, right away, you think of killer doll movies, you think of Chucky. And this movie, though, really does die, uh, uh, um, borrow from Child's Play. And, it, yeah. and nowhere least does it do that than at the ending, where they d- just disfigure the living hell out of Megan. And you know, that sort of image of technology being reduced to its gooey parts 
um, like a vampire decaying in the sun or like spike the gremlin, you know, uh, um, you know, melting in the light. I, I think is, is, uh, um, it's it's like it's like the ultimate cartoon ending you know i i don't know that you fix the world with technology but i also don't know if you solve technology with a baseball bat and a and a table saw and a well placed kick so it, you know it it's it's all so much more complex mm. than that and i think truly excellent films like her and Ex Machina offer alternatives to that, right? Um, all right. <laughs> truly, truly uh, genius geniuses have other ideas of where that's going to end. Um, so if you want to see Megan, you know, it is out in wide release. It is going out of wide release pretty soon, so you better go up and get see it. But I'm sure it will be, be available on screening soon after that. Um, if you want to hear more about us, you know, you can you can visit us on the internet. Go to go to Facebook, search Mindframes Films. We have the pink icon. Of course, you can always go to mindframesfilms.com. That's our website. You can also find us on the Now Playing Network. You know who else is there? Of course you got oh. you got Christmas movies actually. You've been on that one or two times, Dave. Oh, Colin Souter and Carrie Finnegan's website. Christmas movie coverage year round. Fantastic site. And, and a podcast. And we've got Directors Club up on there. You can go back and uh, read up about um, all of your favorite directors. Not read up, but listen to very long, definitive coverage of your and our favorite directors. Any director you can think of is up on there. I, you know, I don't know if uh, James Wan's up on there yet, but I'm sure he will be eventually. Um, I'm sure there will eventually be a James Wan a, uh, episode. Next up. I think we're going to do infinity pool, David. I mean, the description of it is, uh, <laughs> what is it? A hedonistic gore fest. Um, okay. That'll be fun. And we really, you know, Chicago has a new Alamo and we would really love to see that at the Alamo. And I really want to see that at Chicago's Alamo because I am going to need a stiff drink and they have a great drink selection, <laughs> um, at the Alamo. Um, well, we need to be careful. We need to be careful when we when we see it. I mean, it's got Mia Goth in it, right? So Mia Goth last year, she's in Pearl, she's an X. That alone was an amazing accomplishment. And I know you haven't seen Pearl yet, right? I have not seen Pearl yet. Correct. Pearl is she is so amazing in Pearl. I honestly think that she deserved an Academy Award nomination for her performance. Um, she's in this and she looks unhinged and our favorite Northman, Bill Skarsgård is also in it. So, uh, you know, this movie has a lot going for it. Uh, we both really liked, uh, um, Possessor, which was, uh, Brandon Cronenberg's last movie. Um, mm-hmm. and I think this is going to be very, very, very interesting and, and, uh, uh, it's going to fall in line with some movies, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to offer any opinions now, but I, I think it's going to belong to sort of a subset of movies that I've always really enjoyed over the years. You know, Mia Goth really, we must be in the Mia Goth fan club because think of how many um, movies that she's been in that we've done. Um, 
High Life. We did Suspiria. And the thing is, High Life and Suspiria, she's in both of those. And those aren't big releases. Those weren't like huge talked about movies. We just, there's just like, I think a lot of overlap. I think there's a lot of overlap between the projects she likes and the projects that we like. And uh, (laughs) dare I I say that she has a, um, she has a European aesthetic. So I'm being cautious here, but her looks I think appeal more to European directors when they're casting than American directors, though she's definitely way on the rise. So I think there's no coincidence that I've seen her in more things than um, average. Cause you know, I'm freaking a Europe Stan. Uh, but you know, last year we did X as well. I forgot about that. Um, we covered X well, on this know, podcast and we both loved it. And you know, that's, you know, X and Pearl are two films on the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, for her to be working with Ty West, you know, Ty West is a filmmaker who has been around a while and he has made some absolutely stunning movies. Um, House of the Devil would be one. Uh, I think The Innkeepers is another. Um, uh, and he made uh, an incredible Western not too long ago, which is one of the better movies that John Travolta has done in the last few years. He's been in some real clunkers, but but this one's actually he's very, very good in it. And I think that um, seeing an actress of her caliber who's, you know, getting to work with some really amazing directors, let's not forget she was in A Cure for Wellness as well. Um, you know, it, it's it's neat to see her touch base along a, a, a spectrum um, and especially being willing to star in horror films and sort of identify herself with some of the odder things that are going on in uh in feature film these days because uh to me those are some of the best movies i'm seeing are some of the movies that are just really odd um and uh i'm really really uh i don't know i'm 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 excited like i said to see what sort of imagery uh this film dips it in um and uh and definitely have more to say about about it um after we see it but uh a lot of reasons i'm looking forward to it Yep, it should be, well, it should be interesting, to say the least. Um, well, we'll get that out in a couple of weeks. We'll be, maybe we'll be drinking. I don't know. Thank you for <laughs> listening. <laughs>